Welcome to Hemp Logic Radio, where we attempt to sift facts from opinions in this upside down world of industrial hemp. Good morning, everybody. This is Beth Sharp. We're just waiting for uh, the host of the show to get on. Um, I am with Patrick Flaherty, uh, goes by Pat. And uh, Pat, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, first of all, uh, yeah, actually, I prefer Patrick, but uh, that's all right. Uh, oh, okay. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> no worries, no worries. We just met, so um, yeah. yeah I, no, I, I met Corey um, actually in, in the industry, actually through LinkedIn, is where Corey and I uh, met up uh, with a bunch of different people and whatnot, and him and I started conversing about a bunch of different things and realized we were on the same page on a lot of stuff. So, uh, but my background, so I have a degree in mechanical engineering. I've been in uh, the natural material space for about seven years. Um, got some experience in material characterization, material processing, uh, value-add material development, and end-use applications. So what does that mean? That means you figure out what the properties of the materials are and figure out how to get them into your end-use applications or start with, here, here's my end-use application, what materials can, can, can work in there, right? And, and you work from either direction. So um, I've got experience working in uh, bamboo, flax, canaf, uh, and hemp, and Mm-hmm. Applications from textiles, uh, non-wovens, wood composites, fiber composites, paper, uh, bio, um, uh, biopolymers. Um, currently run uh, an engineering consulting uh, called PF Design Lab, um, where I help clients develop new and innovative biomaterials and, and products, um, and then assist with the uh, required uh, processing equipment, and currently represent uh, a, an industrial decortication line out of uh, out of Europe called uh, Tatham Equipment. Oh wow, wow! Sounds like you're a busy guy. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it's just uh, I got a lot of interest in the material development, and it takes you know it, it takes a lot of understanding of you know it's not just hey it, it's hemp therefore we're going to use it in these things because it has cellulose like it you, it's it's more involved than that so you have to understand the stuff not only from the you know, the, the, the makeup of the material, um, but then understand what the processing needs to be to get into these, these applications and get into these uses. So, so it requires a, a pretty uh, broad um, uh, knowledge set to, to actually make those things happen. Right. And then, um, so what got you interested in hemp in the first place? Well, it really came from my composites background. So I, I went to school to get an engineering degree because I really was interested in, in uh, composite materials. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, that, most people think you know, fiberglass and carbon fiber and things like that. And, and, and that is true. However, um, not all, you know, composites can basically mean you mix a couple different materials together to get it to, get it to act a, a certain way or to get certain material properties. And, and it turns out that, that natural materials, fibers um, or, or, or like wood uh, particles uh, work really well in, in a lot of these different applications. And you can do a lot of engineering to manipulate them to do different things. So started working on actually on, on bamboo fibers um, to replace glass fibers in certain applications and had some success with that. And then that turned into, well, you know, talking to clients and, and people in the industries and things like that. And, and they said, well, you know, Europe is basically doing all these things with these other natural fibers. Um, it'd be cool, though, to see those happen in the United States. And so um, worked on, on getting uh, some of those materials to, to work in these different applications as well. So um, I've been working with these, you know, different forms of natural materials for total about seven years, uh, specifically with hemp stuff um, on and off for about five years. Wow. Wow. That sounds great. Um, so it sounds to me maybe hey like Corey Sharp has That's arrived. Right. Yeah. Sorry. I'm actually, I had, I had to call into my own show. I, <laughs> I couldn't get my headphones to work. I'm sitting there. I mean, this is the best part about live, live radio is that it's just, just, oh, my God, the audio of this thing. So, yeah, I'm sitting I can listen to you guys, but I can't talk. So I, I had to call into my own show. Awesome. <laughs> You're welcome. You are allowed to Beth, talk you, now. Beth, you did a great job there in the beginning. Good, good. You you handled that like a professional. So oh, um, I thank you. I'll pat myself on the back. <laughs> Patrick, you 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 were, you were, um, So yeah, it's it's been uh, Patrick. You you and I've been talking for I don't know. Uh, about a month, month and a half, probably trying to get you on the, the podcast. And, uh, you know, you're one of the, you're one of the few people that are on LinkedIn that um, kind of has the same, 
uh, mindset of what the hemp fiber market is, what is where it's going, and what is it going to take to um, you know, what is it going to take to actually make it work. So I'm glad to have you on the show. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. And I agree. You know, I think you and I like we hit it off right away because we started. Um, you had the same, you know, thought processes that went on. I don't know if you heard earlier on, I was mentioning that, you know, you, you come from a numbers background on the farming side, and, and I come from a numbers side on the material side. And, you know, and I think what's different about us and our approach to this whole thing is we kind of take a lot of the emotion out of it, right? We're not emotion driven. Like we want to, you know, it's a business. It has to work. You know, it, it has to make money to work or I have to meet these certain uh, mechanical performance to get the material to work, you know, and I can't, as much as I want it to work, sometimes it, it just doesn't. And, and, and that's okay. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's something I think in the, in the hemp industry throughout, I mean, from, from the bottom all the way to the top, depending on what segment food, fiber or pharma, uh, everybody thinks that hemp is going to, uh, you know, save the world. And it's, uh, it's sometimes it's, well, it, it has the possibilities. It's just, can it work financially? And I think that's sometimes a disconnect. Yeah, 100%. And, and, and unfortunately, I think we end up being sort of like the, the bearers of, of bad news. And, and uh, I've, had, look, I've had several times where I've, I've kind of shown, you know, people have made a statement, said something, and I was like, you know, i got to be that guy in the room. I'm like, well, actually, here's what's going on, you know. And, and they honestly are, like, mad. Like, they get, like, yeah angry that you told them this or you showed them this, you know, and I'm like, I'm not doing it to be a jerk. I'm, I'm showing they're like, okay, it doesn't work here. But what I, you know, what I just explained to you actually makes it work over here. So let's work on that, you know? So it's just, yeah. um, you know, we, we can't, you can't, you can't force it. It, it, it is what it is. Right. Yeah, and it's, sometimes it's, the uh, reality of it is what kills people. Yeah. 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 You know, well, I, I give, they get little, mad. They get mad. They get mad. I get, you know, when I give like presentations and talks and things like that, I always kind of start out with like, well, here's my philosophy. Here's where I come from. So you understand, you know, how I'm presenting this information to you and why I'm presenting it the way I am. And, you know, I come from an, from an engineering background, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's numbers driven. It's all about, it's about physics, right? And, and, and there's, there's two universal uh, laws of physics that, uh, that uh, kind of transcend everything in our lives and number one it's nothing's for free and number two we're never as efficient as we want to be and as long as you understand those two things when you're working through this stuff then it it helps you to make these these better choices and realizations on stuff that like you know i want this to happen you know i i want to be 110 percent efficient but i realize that i'm never even going to be 100 percent. so so let's 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 start from there you know yeah, it's it's definitely uh, it's, it's sometimes you you'll get into it and this I, this is a good analogy you you walked up and kicked their marbles you know it's it's uh, <laughs> you know they're they're it, it's but you want to help these people but sometimes they just don't get thing you know I think and, and there was one lady and and I you know she, she was uh, I think you you and I were both in on the conversation it, it was about biofuel and yeah. You know, now is the time with the coronavirus, with the coronavirus raging through the country, now is the time to biofuel. And, and we're all, no, actually, that's actually the other way. It goes, yeah, it's, why would you invest money in biofuel? And then you did the math on her, and it really yeah. just, it, uh, it crushed her. You know, do the math. <laughs> I like to think of it. I didn't. I didn't. I think they thought I kicked their marbles. I think I walked up and rearranged them in a certain way that tried to tell a different picture, right? So, um, <laughs> I, I, I'll kick the marbles. You can go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I might have rearranged them with. My, I, I might have rearranged them with my feet, but I, but I wasn't kicking them just to kick them. <laughs> you know, no. You know, oh, jeez. Oh man. So Patrick, you were on, you were on a roll there when I cut, when I got, when I got on the line, why don't you continue, you know, talking about your work and where you, uh, you know, what you're working with, what you're working on, uh, where you see the future, you know, just kind of tell us, you know, where you're at in the hemp industry. Well, I, I think the what I'm working on now, you know, as much as I like to hang out in my lab and, 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 and make stuff, right, uh, really the, the bottleneck right now in the industry, like, look, let's, let's pretend that we can actually make 50,000 things out of hemp. I think that's the new number, right, 50,000, somewhere around there. 
It keeps going up. Yeah, if you don't have the material, you can't do anything, right? So, so in the industry right now, on the fiber side, um, it's a it's a lack of processing, right? And and then even to compound that, it's a lack of processing at the scale you need to be uh, to make these things economically viable. You know, look, this is going to be this is a commodity, right? And we're competing with things like wood, cotton, and polymers, and we know what those prices are, right? Wood, ten cents a pound, cotton. 50, 75 cents a pound, Palmers are on a dollar a pound. So, so now we know what the price is, right? So now it's like, oh, well, if we can't meet that price, can, can we beat that on value? You know, as, as is it, is it, if the hemp's more expensive, is there, is there a way to justify it, right? And so spent a lot of time working on that kind of stuff. Now, to get that numbered closer to like that, that wood, cotton, polymer kind of stuff, you have to be scale, right? You have to be running stuff that's, you know, two tons an hour, you know, you know, 250 days a year, right, at 85, 75% capacity. In order to get that material price down to be uh, competitive with, with those other things that you're, you're basically, you know, competing with. So, so right now, it's, it's a, a lot of time I'm, I'm, people are calling me up and they're talking about processing, you know, and, and the big thing, here's the number one thing when people say, oh, I want to get involved in processing. I say, who's your customer? And if they don't have a customer, I, I say, well, go find them. Because what you need to do is you need to figure out what your customer is, figure out what their material specification is, and then from there we can figure out what sort of equipment you need to, to go out there. I, I think there's this idea of if we build it, they will come, and, and, and that's sort of true at a high level. That's true, but, but more specifically, what are you trying to do with the material, right? What, what, what is your end goal? What's your end use? And so you, you need to start there. Um, and so one of those things that I deal with is, is um, so that's, we're talking about purpose grown kind of stuff, right? So I, there's an equipment company called Taysom Equipment out of the UK that I represent. Um, you know, there's a several industrial scale uh, decorticating lines. Uh, the advantage of Taysom is, is they're the least expensive one out there. Um, about, about half on a throughput basis, they're about half the cost. Now you're still talking a system that's, you know, 1.5 to $2.5 million dollars. Um, but you can get up to, you know, you know, four, four to five tons an hour through it, right? So it starts to make economic sense. So, so I spent a lot of time recently working on, on that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the other thing is, well, okay, so we have all this, we have all this I'm going to call it field waste, right? So the, the hemp industry, so my numbers say that, show that about, you know, 90, 95% of the total biomass grown uh, for hemp in the United States is not utilized, right? So, so where, how do I get those numbers? Well, uh, you have, most of it's grown for CBD, right? Maybe, maybe 5% of the acreage out there is not for CBD. But a CBD flower is about 20% of the mass of that plant, right? And, and what you're actually extracting out of that flower is a fraction of, of that as well, right? So, so you have all this material that's available, and, and there's a lot of things you can actually do with that, that material, right? There's, there's only a couple things that you really have to grow specific grown for. Um, that would be high-end uh, fiber for spinnable grade or high-end non-wovens. Um, and, and there is a slight difference in the herd as well. Um, but a lot of stuff can come out of the, 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 the bio waste. So there's a lot of options. Um, uh, well, there's a couple options for processing that. Um, we're actually working with a group right now. Um, we're we're going to announce this in, in a couple of weeks here where we've got a piece of uh, equipment that um, makes it affordable for even, um, I'm going to call it large-scale farmers or co-ops um, to, to be able to process and, and monetize that field waste. So that's actually pretty exciting. Well, that's, that's the, the part of, you know, about, you know, you and I having these conversations, I realized that you had a better understanding of, of what it actually took to get, you know, hemp out of the field. And I always say, uh, you know, my, my spiel is, is when people are talking about this, it's like, well, we've got to get it out of the field first. We've got to get it in the field, and now <laughs> we've got to get it out of the field. And then you come in and you go, okay, once we get it out of the field – we can do these things with it. You know, it's, it's, it's always cart before the horse in this industry always. And it's ever since that I've gotten into it, it's always, well, we've got to get this done before we can get this done, but this costs, you know, millions and millions of dollars. And there's, there's people out there, you know, the, the smaller people are, you know, 
I, I have a story, that, and, and actually Beth was there. Um, it was one of the first. It was one of the first uh, groups we'd gotten together. I was in Yakima, Washington, and there was mm-hmm. probably twenty people in the room. And this guy, I, I got up and spoke because we were we were going to plant that year. That was it was in the it was in the uh, very early in the spring when we. And, um, so everyone was super interested in what I had to say. It, very, it was first time ever. Um, and I got done talking, and this guy came up to me, and he was so excited. He was, you know, he was buying this Chinese decorticator, and he was going to put it in his garage, and he was going to make, and, and this is the best part, he was going to make T-shirts and tie-dye. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, oh, you know, I said, tell me, you know, and, and at the time, I didn't know a whole lot, but that was not, that was not feasible. <laughs> and I said, yeah. to him, I said well, that's. Yeah, in my little bit of knowledge, I knew that this was, wow, this is way out there. Um, I said, well, can you tell me more about this? I said, uh, you're going to put it in your garage. Are you going to grow the hemp in the, your backyard, or are you going to have two-ton bales of hemp in your in your driveway? And yeah. he looked at me. Yeah. <laughs> and I, <laughs> well, what do you mean? I no, you tell me what you mean, because I'd really like yeah. to know plan on decorticating in your garage and making tie-dye T-shirts with it. But that's yeah. some of it. I mean, it's yeah. better, but you still hear this. They're they're going to do this and they're going to do that. So, uh, you know, what? You know, let me ask you this, uh, Patrick. What is your what is your thoughts on the amount of the minimum amount of acreage or pounds? Let's do pounds because acreage is is can be subjective. Um, how many pounds do you think a year needs to be processed for us to, to make actual money? You know, I, and that's, I said this, and as soon as I said it, it sounded stupid because what are we making? Um, yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. We're breaking yeah. it down. Yeah. Let's break it down. We're, we're breaking it down for, uh, you know, some sort of fiber and, but we're, we're focusing on herd and, and that's a lot of doing because they use the herd in hempcrete. So in your opinion, how many pounds a year needs to be processed for herd, um, well, let's, let's leave I guess the fiber I'll, out of it for right now. Yeah, yeah. So let's. Um, I'll run through a little analysis on, on on decorticating, just kind of in general, right? And and so the numbers I use, um, and and this is where I've, uh, you know, you know, I've kind of talked a little bit before. Where I, I I hate the memes, right? The, the memes are 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 um, almost all of them are, are wrong, um, or they they tell one part of the story um, and leave out everything else that all the important stuff, right? So, so going back to your thing about uh, fiber, uh, you know, or the t-shirts, right? Like everybody thinks that, well, because we grow hemp, therefore now we have textiles in the United States. And they don't realize like what goes, you know, what is required between growing that hemp to get that in the t-shirt, the amount of infrastructure and equipment and, and, and you know, that, that gets it converted into that is, is enormous. And it, it requires, you know, millions upon millions of dollars of equipment and, and hundreds of people, right? Hundreds of people. So anyway, I just want to follow up with that. But but to go back to your thing, so let's talk about an industrial scale line, right? So you're going to get, you know, the numbers I tell people to use it is two to three tons per acre, you know, of, of total biomass. Now you're going to see stuff out there, 10 tons here, 20 tons, and, you know, comparing it to trees and all that kind of stuff. None of those numbers have been shown to be true commercially right those numbers come from like small test plots um you know but but the numbers are two to three tons of of of, uh, of material per acre so we're talking five you know six thousand pounds and a a small industrial scale decorticating line will do about tons two tons an hour now if you're going to run that line for three shifts a year you've got that's ten thousand acres it's ten thousand acres you need to grow at two to three tons an acre keep that machine running and to make that business viable. That's, that's the, that's the small side of the scale required for that kind of stuff. Yeah, and that's, and I'm, you know, I was just, as you were talking, Patrick, I was like, you know, uh, we need to, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you're hearing these numbers, you know, it's, it's kind of disheartening and I don't want you to be disheartened because I know you have a dream. So don't get, if you're listening to the podcast and you hear these numbers, it's just, let's take it in, Let's take it at face value. What is it? You know, um, I, I know that Corbett with PowerZone, they have those little 660s, you know, that do, I think they do a ton an hour. And yeah. they're, they're making them, you know, they're making them to where you can actually, uh, they, they've got a feeding system now they're working on where you can put a, 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 a round bale 
and actually have it yep. hand fed or not instead of hand feeding it it's actually machine fed even then yep. you have to work that thing three shifts a day you yep. have to run that thing almost 24 7 365 and then do yep. the math extrapolate the math out and you're right you're at you're at these massive amounts of acres so so right so that, and that's to be that's to be a business and and now you're not going to grow ten thousand acres in in year one right it's going to take you three to five years to get to that point. Here's the other thing that I like to tell people about this is that nobody's done this before right like so so your farmer hasn't done this before you haven't run this equipment before you haven't run this business before you don't really know what's actually what you're going to get right so so let's say uh-huh. that first year things go wrong, right? You don't quite get the, the yield you want. You, you didn't get the material properties you wanted or whatever. And so year two, you take, you know, you do some sort of sensitivity analysis or, or just kind of figure out what you're doing wrong and, and, you, and you change those things in year two. And let's say everything runs perfect on, on year two. Well, you don't know that you really solved the problem, right? You, the thing that you were missing, you might have missed and that might have fixed itself or something like that. So it takes a third year, right, to do it again, to repeat your results, to say, yep, boxes check moving forward so and, and as you're doing that you're going to you're going to ramp up you know in material so yeah I, i'm not i'm not trying to be the dream crusher when i when i give these numbers out but but that's where you have to be now now that's purpose grown right so let's talk about the the cbd or the seed side of it that's where you're, you don't need that kind of acreage because um you, you've already made money on the seed or the cbd right uh, or or hopefully you did um, and this can actually augment that. So this now, now we're down to with the uh, with equipment that's only going to cost you, you know, a couple hundred, three three hundred thousand. Um, now you can get away with about two thousand acres, right? So people are like, mm-hmm. well, I don't have two thousand. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, well, your your co-op might, right? Or your or your county might, you know. And so and so that that's, um, that makes that number work. But you have to realize, too, now we're talking different price points, right? So, so on purpose-grown fiber, you're talking uh, you know, around $0.75 cents a pound uh, after decortication, right? Uh, on the herd side, people are getting about $0.35 cents a pound, but I don't think it's going to stay there very long. I, I think that number is really close to about $0.25 cents a pound um, because you can get it out of Europe for, for $0.30 cents a pound. Um, and, and then – but on the on the dual purpose and that's, side, that's that's delivered. That's delivered. That's that's well, putting in yeah. that's putting it in a shipping container and it's landed thirty cents a pound. Right, right, right. So 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 let's look at then what the pricing on that dual purpose stuff is. Well, you're not going to get the same material properties out of it, the same quality. So you've got different end use applications. Um, so take those numbers and basically cut them in half. Right. So now you're at twelve. 14 cents for your herd and, and you're at maybe 35 cents for your fiber. But, but this is fiber now that now people are working on this. Um, I have yet to see um, any dual purpose fiber that becomes a spinnable grade um, fiber without what they call a cottonization process, right? Which is, which is degumming and bleaching it. Um, you can get fiber straight off. If you do a purpose grown fiber, you can get that straight off the line um, to be a blendable grade fiber to blend with wool or cotton or to go straight into non-wovens. So, so that fiber, that, that, that dual purpose fiber, I have yet to see where that actually makes economic sense in any sort of textile application. Um, I know people are working on it. Uh, I haven't seen anything that's uh, commercially uh, uh, available, viable yet. So that's one of the things you and I have talked about you and I've talked about this, Patrick, is, you know, people want, people think they're going to do a double crop and they're going to cut, they're going to pull the seed out for, for food and then use the fiber. But in fact, for a true fiber, for a true fiber, industrial textile fiber, you have to actually, um, you know, cut that early, correct? Yeah. So, so, right. So I guess, yeah, fiber is a, means a lot of things. So if we're talking textile grade fiber, spinnable grade fiber, yeah, the, 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 the varieties that are purpose grown, yeah, they're, it's harvested basically before the, the plant, you know, goes to seed or when it starts to go to flower. Um, and, and so, and you're getting uh, the, the best uh, material out of it at that point. Um, it also goes through a redding process, right? The redding process is basically it's a, 
think of it as, as, a, as a light rotting, right? And what's happening is there's, there's enzymes that go in and, and it, 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 it eats away the, the pectins and the and, and stuff that holds the fiber to the, to the herd. And that allows it to decorticate uh, uh, more efficiently. Uh, all, almost all of the dual purpose stuff, I've never seen anybody actually do that with it, right? Uh, not on any sort of, again, there have been little test plots and people have done that. So the reason you do that is the decorticating process um, the, the word actually just means like, like cleaning, right? Which is, which is the first step in it, which is separating the fiber from the herd. But that's not, that's only half of it. And, and the second half is actually opening up those fibers. So you get these like ribbonous material that comes off and it's actually fiber bundles that are all held together. And you want to open them up, you know, sort of like if your fingers are, 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 are closed, you know, and together and you spread them out, right, that's what you're trying to do with these fibers to, to, to release the fibers out of, these, out of these ribbonous bundles. Almost all of the smaller scale um, uh, decorticators only do that first cleaning step, right? They're like roller crushers and things like that, and they don't open the fiber. And, and that might be fine depending on your application, right? But if your application requires a fiber that is, you know, fine or open, like maybe a, a non-woven application, you, you have to do that secondary step. Well, through, through attrition, you can get that to happen by running your, your material back through a second or third time, but, but now that fiber just costs you more to do that, right? So, so again, it's who's your customer, what's their specification, then find, get the, the proper equipment. Wow. <clears throat> Well, where do you what do you think? Um, you know, what's what's the future of this? I, I mean, how far? I say it's five years plus before you know, especially with this coronavirus. I know that that there was a there's been some talk in the last couple of months. There was that group Panda out of out of Texas, and then the big boys that that are really good at raising Wall Street money. Uh, they dumped yeah. in their canopy the canopy guys. Um, yeah, they want to raise 175 million dollars, but that's Wall Street money, and I see that being a disaster. It's, yeah, that's just got that's got disaster written all over it because they're just going to be throwing up money at people with their marbles on the ground. You know, it's, oh, you need <laughs> like, oh, oh, you need yeah, yeah. bigger marbles here. Here's here's 20 million <laughs> right here. Go go. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, the twenty million you say is actually a, that's actually a, a good number to talk about. You know, uh, you know the the guys that the the ex canopy guys, you know, they were supposed to have that IPO in in like mid March, right? Did it even happen? Do you know? I don't think it did. I, I you know yeah. what, dude, it, with the coronavirus, everything. Yeah. And unfortunately, this is a hemp industry issue, and it's uh, uh you know, people ask, well, how come you don't talk about hemp? as much as you used to. And I said, you really don't want to know what I truly think about what's going on in the hemp industry. Um, yeah. So you try to be, yeah. you know, I'm not the, I'm not the rah, rah, rah cheerleader when yeah. the house is on fire. Um, yeah. And yeah. The hemp industry is going to take it on the chin with this coronavirus. Yeah. Um, yeah. Taking, and you, and you, and you, you, you can, you can probably attest to this is that, people that were going to invest or looking at pushing money into something in the hemp industry have now completely pulled back out. And they're 100%. like, you know what? We, yep. we have, we, we have to, we have to pull back. This was a great idea guys. And it's still a great idea, but I have to, I have to uh, fortify my position in what I made my money doing. And I mean, I need to make sure yeah. I can survive this. Then we can, you know, we can talk once everything gets settled, then we can talk about it. And however long that is, that could be two years, five years. It could be 10 years before we get the momentum that we had just three months ago. Okay, yeah. That's my um, I might be wrong. Yeah. Uh, you, you were wrong one time, but it just turned out you were mistaken, correct? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, no, ask, no, ask my wife. I'm wrong a lot. Um, I'm pleading the fifth on that one. (laughs) Um, I I see. I've seen it go go both ways, right? I I think. Look, there's there's some sophisticated money out there, and there's some not so sophisticated money out there. Uh, Fortunately, um, I'm involved in in two projects right now that um, are going to be able to weather the storm, Um, and so I'm I'm fortunate on that. Um, And in fact, it's it's only gotten better for those two projects in the past month and a half. So it's just 
just weird timing. Uh, but you're right. I've seen some other projects that are just basically like, yeah, we're, this is, this is on hold. Right. Um, so I don't know what the, what that, what that year, that, that timeline looks like. I think it's five to 10 years before there's uh, mass adoption of the material in um, end use applications. You know, it's going to take that, that amount of time to get that before you start seeing it. Right. You know? Um, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I think there is a little bit of uh, I mean, this, this whole thing is, yeah, it's, it's awful. Oh, and it's, so many it's awful, awful right? because there's no, there's no, and there's no, uh, well, this is going to happen and then this is going to happen. And then we should come out of it. This, there's no talking about, well, it's just, everybody's holding their breath, you know, and, and it's starting to get to that, you know, we're, we've been holding our breath for two minutes now. Do we have to hold it for three? Do we have to, yeah. you know, do we, you know, I, I think initially the reaction was, was, was valid. Like, all right, we don't know what's going on. So we're going to pause, you know, hold our breath, like you say, but, but we now know enough of what's going on. And, and look, this is uh we're, we're going to, you know, you and I have been saying the same thing on, on LinkedIn about like, we just got to get moving. Right. Like we can't, we can't be paralyzed by fear because of the second and third order effects that are already on their way. You know, so um, to, 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 to make a blanket statement of that, this is what we have to do across the nation um, because there's a small you know, uh, set of individuals that are making up the majority of the cases in, in concentrated in these large metropolitan areas does not mean the rest of the country needs to be shut down. And if yeah, it means like, like that means we can't make the food to get to those people. Right. So it's, it's insane to me. Um, and what's really insane to me is how is how people are so accepting of it, right? That they're just like, no, we're going to do this because we're told so. And it's like, wait, we've got data. We've got data that shows that this is not the right thing, you know? So, I mean, there's, 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 there's good data out there that shows that the lockdowns didn't do anything if the all-go yes. is as high as it is. It means it was already burning itself out, right? Like, but – but we didn't know that then. We know that now, right? Or, or that we actually don't know that until we get the testing and all that kind of stuff. But there's there's valid data that, that says those kinds of things. So, yeah, I don't know. I, it, it's uh, you know, not the last uh, it's, it tends to, that the conversations always kind of after we get done talking about the the, the important stuff that, that comes into the start talking about the coronavirus and what it affects. You know, it affects everybody's business and it affects our food chain. It affects everything about us and the. And then, like you brought up, you know, people are, we're, we're literally, you know, self, self-imposed martial law almost in some areas. Yeah. And yeah, it's, coming from, you know, I'm 53 ex Marine, you know, I, I have a, there's a distinct, I have a different way of looking at the way things are going and I'm just going, Whoa, you know, <laughs> the government has this massive amount of just control over the population. And then you see the, you know, the, the mayor of LA giving out rewards for turning in your fellow uh, citizens because they're not self quarantining. What is that? You know, so that, that we can go. That's terrifying, Patrick. We are seeing, we are seeing stuff that was written in books, right? That were, it was fiction. Right. Well, there was a great, you know, you said you don't like memes. I'm actually, I love memes. I have, I have <laughs> 500 memes on my phone. I'm a meme. I love, I collect these things. They're awesome. But there's one, it said, uh, uh, the, um, it was about the, oh man, I lost my train of thought and it was awesome. <laughs> it'll, come, it'll come back to me. It'll come back to me. What? what uh, what I don't like is I don't like a lot of the memes that are in the, in the, look, I, yeah, the funny ones. I, I like funny memes, right? And, and the, there's a lot of memes about hemp that are just not true, right? And, oh, and, yeah. and people, they get passed around and passed around and passed around until it's, they're accepted as truth, right? Yep. And, and they're, just, they're just not true. Henry Ford did not build a car out of hemp. Oh, it did not happen. I was talking to a lady about that. The, 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 the Michelle Thorne, Beth, the, the gal that was on the podcast yesterday, yep. she yep. she actually thought that Henry Ford made a car out of hemp. 
No, I had to say no. I said no. That doesn't work like that. And she's like, Oh my god! I I thought I I read it so many times. You know. So when you go back to the original, uh, the original source of the information, it turns out that they made a some composite panels for the vehicle, right? And and at best, from either a mass or volume basis, maybe one percent of the total car was hemp, maybe. And there's zero. And, and it was probably it was a byproduct of something. You know, it wasn't specifically. Well, they, 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 were making, they, were, they were making a non-woven mat, and then they were infusing it with a with a with a polymer. Uh, you know, um, uh, they have uh, bake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bakelite, oh, okay. right? That was the that was the very first uh, polymer um, that was that was uh, that we so, we produced. So it was a panel uh, made found, of that. I found, the, I found the meme. It says, you know, people who are surprised. America has turned into a nation of cancer cult or cancel culture snitches. Clearly, has not been paying attention to social media the last five years. Yeah, it, yeah. It, that's you know that was that's a that's a great and that's a great uh, 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 quote. You know, it's you. We've become this. If you don't like something, you go and you bring all your friends because it's so easy to just get on social media and bring your friends and you attack yeah. them, whatever it is. You know, it's it, 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 not so. It's, it's bully culture, right? And like you uh-huh. can do it, you can do it from, from behind your keyboard because you don't actually have to face them, right? And there's no threat of them being physically bigger than you, so you can you can lip off. <laughs> you know, like well, you're, you're bigger. Yeah, you can be bigger by somebody because you have a following. You have, you know, you have a following of 10,000 people. And if you say, I don't like this person uh, because he talked, he kicked my marbles in the hemp industry and then you get beat up. Yeah. And I've seen it. I've seen it on LinkedIn where, and, and yeah, you yeah. know what? It's always political. Always. Yeah. It's always political yeah. when they come out and they start attacking me on LinkedIn, which I just, yeah. I, it just infuriates me, but it's a, there's a group and they just, boy, it doesn't work as well on it on LinkedIn as it does on the other social medias because, you know, I'm always an advocate of keep that crap. Yeah. Crap. It, keep that shit on Facebook. You take it to Facebook. Yeah. LinkedIn is for business. If you want to have policy discussions, I'm more than willing to have policy discussions. I will not right. talk about politics. Yeah. I will not talk yep. about politics. Uh, it just yeah. gets, you know, uh, interesting enough on the politics side, you know, we know. My web, my web group is, you know, I knew um, that, you know, they didn't have the same, they didn't align correctly. And, and they knew after a time that I didn't align with the same. And we were talking one day and he says, can we talk about politics for a second? And I said, do you really want to go there? He goes, well, I just, I, I just want to, you know, I just want to talk about it. So we talked a couple of minutes and he goes, you know, Corey, we're not, we're not that far apart. Yeah, and I said, you know, yeah. that's the funny thing that you talk about politics is when you break it down and you actually have a conversation, we're really not that far apart, you know. Some yeah, you can, and he goes, yeah, you're right, you know. And so we, it was, you know, we, I said, let's just stop now because we've had a really good conversation, and I don't want right. to ruin it. But honestly, Patrick, that's I think in in our society now, we have to we have to step back and, you know, you can have your opinion, but you don't. Just right. because my opinion doesn't align with yours, you don't get to cancel me. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, the problem too is this whole identity stuff, right? You you put a label on someone, and automatically it means all these certain things about them, right? Or or you're not even going to engage with them because they're this on this topic. And like that, that that shouldn't matter, right? You know, like like you said, let's talk about the issue, right? Let's talk about the 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 the, the fundamental problem we're having. You know, like it doesn't. It doesn't really, you know, using that label, doing that is, is, is a way to try to control the, the conversation and ultimately control the language, right? And, and that, that we have, everybody has to push back against that, right? Um, and so, it's, I don't, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's definitely, an, it's definitely, definitely an interesting times. We, I thought we were listening, living in interesting times before the coronavirus. You know, yeah. I think we're we're going to be in for a shock at the amount of people um, working from home. I think you're going to see a lot more uh, people working from home. Um, 
you're going to see businesses sprout out of people's living rooms like you've never seen before. You know, people are going to be uh, the entrepreneurial side of this is just going to be. You know, maybe that guy, that guy wanted to make T-shirts out of his garage, wasn't such an idiot, right? 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 Like there's no. I just a thing the other day actually was like talking about the the different types of people and personalities and and how they're handling this and how they're going to come out of it, you know. And everybody that's just like the full on like lay down, tell me what I need to do, you know. To like what you're talking about, like people are going to get crafty, right? We'll we'll get crafty, and and who knows? And look. At the end of the day, what we are going to see is a is a, a resurgence of of made in America, right? For a number of different reasons, um, and 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 I think that's a good. Thing. I'm really, really I'm really okay. I'm really okay with that. I really am. I, we've lost that, you know. It. it uh, I know after 9/11, the, the the patriotism was really really high, and I was really, you know, it was. You know, there was a couple of Marine friends and I were talking about, man, should we, you know, can we, should we try to go back in? Should we try to go back in? I'm like, no, I'm too old for that. And I, and, you know, I was, I was in my thirties, but uh, yeah. late, late thirties. And I'm like, no, I'll let the, let the, let the, let the young kids go handle that. But, you know, <laughs> uh, the patriotism, if we can get that to turn a little bit and, you know, just, it's just, you know, America's the greatest country in the freaking world. Why do you have to beat it up? And why, you know, and, you know, we can talk about, you know, uh, capitalism and, and socialism and all that, but it's really, you know, we, we have a great system, and it's not perfect. You know, you can see the cracks. You know, uh, I don't know if you – I read an article or a piece once about um, uh, uh, societies, and, and there hasn't been a uh, society last uh, or a government system last longer than 250 years ever in, in human history. And right. we're pushing the 250 right now. And so yeah. the, the, at the, the author was, the author says, you know, what makes, what the problem that we have is Americans think that we're different because we're better. But yet mm-hmm. over human history, there's never been a government last longer than 250 years. And, and, and so, sure, that, that that's true. And, and, and I'll, I'll play a little devil's advocate here on it. Sure. Um, I think there are, you know, it's it's a really really good system, right? Is is it is it with its is it without flaws? Absolutely not. So I think it's it's okay to be critical of those things that aren't working, right? Um, but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean burn it to the ground. Not yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, 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 uh, yeah, like they're like um, trying, you know, it's, they're, yeah, they're it's almost like they're trying to do it. They're giddy about yeah, it. Yeah, right. They're giddy. But, but I would they're, say they're, 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 that's. The, the, the 250 years you talk about in the United States, you, you know, I would say that w- we weren't the country we were 200 years ago. So it's not exactly the same system. It has changed. It has, it has, you know, morphed. So, so I, I would agree that that you know, no system that has lasted lasted that long. I, I wouldn't say we're the same country we were 200 years ago. That, I guess I'll, I'm agree. Going by I'll agree. You well, know? Yeah. I mean, 250 years is, is it's, isn't it funny how, uh, you know, over over history, over you know the Earth's history, you know we've we've been on it. I've been on it 53 years, and it's not even a it's not even a, a, a pin drop of of time. Yeah. You know, of what yeah. of, it's just we're here for such a short period of time. And I've always, you know, as I was my younger younger Corey was really just a bull in a china shop, and and you could probably still <laughs> say that about me now. But <laughs> as you, as you, I will also as you put can, my. Fifth Amendment, right there. Be quiet. Yeah, well, you, well, you, you know, it's just I'm gonna start calling you Fifth Amendment or fifth, no, fifth. Plead <laughs> the fifth, Beth. Plead the fifth. You know, as we get older, as we get older, we start to look things a little bit differently, and and uh, you know, we, I was up, I'm up with one of my friends here, and we went and visited his grandmother, who's 95. You know, and some of the stories that she has, and you just kind of, you just reflect on how far 95 years ago this lady was, you know, packing box, packing apples in boxes and making like 25 cents a day and saving it by a washing machine. That was, that was, she worked for like three years to build enough money so she could have Montgomery Ward send her a washing machine. Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, just incredible, just incredible how our, our country has changed and, and how far we've come in technology and, you know, and then going back to the coronavirus and what is it going to do to our country as, and as, as a whole. Um, I hope we don't, I hope we don't take the social distancing thing too far. Um, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I mean, too, like, there's going to be second and third order effects from that, you know? So, like, you know, does that now become policy? Does that now just become accepted norm? Does it become some sort of mix of the both, or does it eventually just go away, right? And we're like, okay, we did what we thought we had to do, uh, but we don't need to do that anymore, you know? We don't, we don't do mm-hmm. that for, for any other infectious diseases, you know? We don't. So... Once, yeah. Until they find out exactly how deadly it is, I think is what we're, we're going to find out once the death the death rate actually gets figured out. And I hope they find that it's maybe just a tad bit worse than the flu. Um, or I've heard reports that it's actually less than the flu. So well, we don't know. I mean, how many of these deaths you know, that they're counting were flu? Um, yeah. So the death rate is only going to go down because we are undercounting the denominator and overcounting the numerator in that equation, right? The numerator is the number of people that die from coronavirus. Well, the CDC has already admitted that. We're like, you know, we don't even know. So if anybody dies of anything that even remotely resembles it, they died of coronavirus, right? And then, yeah. and so, so that number is overcounted, right? That's the numerator. Now your denominator is the number of people right now that have been infected with it, but the true denominator is really the population of the United States, right? Because, or, and people that have gotten, actually gotten infected. And we'll know that more from when we get the antibody tests going, right? And so, so the, the, the death rate is only going to go down. It's only going to look better as we move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it's, it's but the social, the social distancing and all these other things, these are things that we're, you know, uncharted territory. Of course, we, we can do flip right back and circle right back around to where people are self putting ourselves on in self uh self quarantine and self um martial law type stuff um it's yeah. just it, you really don't know what our society is capable of at this time in in our in in our country what are yeah. they capable of and that was yeah uh, so anyway uh you know patrick you you're 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 one of the you know you're a great guest you have a great you're a smart guy you have great insight on the hemp industry and and uh you're able to to you know, transcend across uh, topics fairly easy. So definitely going to have to have you on again. Well, you know, when we, I would love to, and I think we can come back around. Actually, um, actually I need to get going here um, in just a few minutes. Um, Yeah. But uh, I'd like to kind of come back around. Maybe you and I could kind of maybe next time touch on a couple of things. One, what are the real uses of this material? You know, where are the benefits and, 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 you know, kind of, but try to maybe dispel some more of those myths. Um, and here's, here's one of the reasons why for dispelling some of these myths. Um, because at the end of the day, if you believe something, right, and let's, let's call it a religious belief. If you, if you have this religious belief about the use of this material and it, it is not true, uh, it turns out to be not true, uh, there's, there's two things that happen or, or, or because of that. One, you're going to get disappointed because your belief system got crushed. And, and two, if you believe that's true and I can't make that work, it's going to look like I failed, but I'm trying to tell you, like, I can't get there anyway, right? So you're, you're setting mm-hmm. yourself up for failure and setting yourself up to be disappointed. So let's have an honest conversation about what the real possibilities of the material are, and, and, and let's really celebrate those, you know? Um, the other thing I'd really like to talk to you again, too, once we get this project figured out um, and, and, uh, is the equipment for the – field waste, right? And, and that actually is going to be, the, the way that we've laid it out is going to be a game changer because with the, key, with the equipment comes a purchase order from us that says, if you make this quality of material, I'll buy back every pound of it from you. So it reduces the risk um, to, to, the, to the people to uh, get involved in that and gives them, you know, the farmer, the co-op, or the processor, another, another revenue stream. So I'm pretty excited yeah, about that the, project. The lower, the lower, yeah, I think, you know, uh, the, the lower end uh, quality fiber is definitely the low hanging fruit. We've got to, once we figure that out, then we can really start to focus on fiber only uh, genetics and, and work yeah. on that, pushing that, yeah, pushing the textiles. But we got to, 
you know, how many times, I don't know how many people I have in my database that have called me or, or emailed me. I have, you know, I grew 20 acres of CBD hemp and I've got all these stocks. Can you buy them? No. Yeah. Chop no. Them up, put them in your, no. I want to, it's not even a conversation, but that's it. That's, that's the easy stuff. That's the stuff that, right. that we can call our machines. And that's you know, right. If something, if, if only, if something only costs $10,000 and they can process those stocks into something that you would buy or yeah. you or get it to a second meal type of situation. Boom. There you go. So, right. you know, we, we talked about this before you came on was there was going to be two shows. There was going to be this one. And then when you got your, your process figured out, then we'd have you back on and we can have all these discussions. So yeah, most definitely, yeah. had, you come, most definitely had you come back on. Cool. So, cool. well, um, you know, let's, uh, let's call it a day. Uh, appreciate your time, Patrick. And, uh, you know, I'll, uh, you know, let's keep in touch and let me know and we'll get you back on the show. Yeah. Uh, sounds fantastic. Um, I'll just, uh, before we leave, I'll just give a, a little, uh, plug, uh, on my stuff. So, um, we talk about that Taysom equipment. If anybody wants to uh, talk about that and get a quote and talk about what that really looks like, um, feel free to reach out to me either here, uh, or, or on LinkedIn or, um, uh, pfdesignlab.com. Um, and, and, uh, we can go from there, but yeah, thank you very much. Um, it was awesome to, to have a, another conversation with you and, and to talk about this stuff and, you know, just talk about the realities of what, what these things are, but at the same time, you know, it's, there's possibilities you know, I, I tell people all the time I, I, when I talk about these things and I'm like, eh, it sounds like it's bad, right. You know, like I'm not kicking your marbles, right. I'm just rearranging them um, to give you a different picture of it. And what I'm actually showing you is that, uh, there's there's actually a lot of opportunity here, so so that's really I just I just come at it a little bit different way. Right on, man, and I I totally appreciate it, and uh, definitely we're gonna have you back on because you're a smart dude. All right, Corey, appreciate it, sir. All right, buddy. All right, man. All take right. care, buddy. I'll talk at you soon. Thanks, Patrick. Take All right, care. thanks a lot. See you guys. Bye bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Well, that was uh, thank you for uh, covering for me in the beginning there, hon. No worries, no worries. I do what I'm, I do what I can. <laughs> I was listening to you. I'm like, well, he's not here, so I'm gonna do this. <laughs> Introduce you, and I'm going. Good job. Way to not. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, do I have to end this episode? Is it gonna completely blow up in flames? Or, um, but it did. You did it. You did a good no, job. No, I. So. Well, thanks. So. This is the Hemp Logic Radio program. Uh, it is live. If you'd like to be on the Hemp Logic Radio program, send me an email at, at radio at hemplogic.com. This is it for the Industrial Hemp Fiber Market Podcast. Uh, my co-host, my wonderful EBH, Beth Sharp. That's where you fun. I'm gonna have to get. I'm gonna have to get. I'm gonna have to send you some uh, self-help uh, radio program stuff so you can. Uh, <laughs> I love that you're just beginning this because it's so fun to listen to you. Like, oh, what? what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm being. I'm being mean to you. So it's okay. Anyway, it's okay. I'm used to it. Oh, really? Right. <laughs> hey, you started it. <laughs> no. Well, thanks again for listening. If you're still here after all this, uh, you guys have a great rest of your day, and I uh, hope to hear you or have back on the radio here shortly. So you guys have a great rest of your day. Talk to you later. Take care. Bye-bye.